we can argue about this. I, I have no problem arguing. You want to argue anything. with me? Not you. You want me? You want a piece of me? Yeah, it's been a rough, uh, it's been a rough weekend. Apparently, somebody's. <laughs> No. Did you have like one of the worst sports days of your life yesterday? That was you, not me. Holy I told God. you I had a good weekend. I was talking about my taffy apple martini and all kinds of things. It was fun. No, I had a good weekend. I know you had a struggle on oh Sunday. Oh my God, was that horrible? I so here's my Sunday. I have to take my daughter to the airport because she's going back. Her spring break is over. So you know my kids leave and I'm sad. I come home united. Holy mother of God, my mood is directly associated with that. They didn't just lose. It was like an historic, and not since the 1930s had they lost a game like that. They lost seven to nothing. Think about that. Wow. That's not a loss. That's like a that's, like a demolishing. That is like a. It's going to leave a mark. Oh, my God. Historical and it pretty blemish. Much, it pretty much seven nothing. ended any hopes seven of, nil? of winning the, the league, not that they had That ruined any hopes of you being cheery today. It ruined any hopes of me having, like, positivity in my yeah, life. so there's no positivity then, today. Then, so I get through that, and yeah. then I turn on the Bulls, and I watch that. Oh, my. You know, and, and then I'm like, it's me, right? I'm bringing this horrible reality to all the teams I like. That's part of it. That and the fact the Bulls cannot get a uh, – keep the Pacers off the offensive uh, boards and the fact they can't protect the basketball down the stretch or – or running out of bounds play to hit a three-pointer. Other than that, the it was only, all you. The only good news was the Mike Cle- Oh, oh boy. yeah, well, that was really yeah, – that, that was a pick-me-up. Uh, yeah, Molly yeah, like, got, well, uh, got a bad Sunday. Yeah, it was a bad Sunday, and I think yeah. that we have been uh, maybe a little bit aggressive uh, this morning, a little grumpy as we're being accused on the tax line. It's okay. We have those days. But Let's, I think today uh, it's, it's, it's merited. <laughs> Let's get back to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. Rashad is listening online. Hey, Rashad. What's going on, fellas? Dave, your conscience has returned. Well, hopefully I can give you a little bit of pick-me-up, man, and I don't mean on the THC level. I'm going to say this. (laughs) I did a little bit of research, went back and looked about 5,000 hours of film like Coach Eberflus, and I thought about thinking about that introductory press conference that Pace had. Not Pace, I'm sorry, Ryan Poles. Right. He said he wanted to refer to his time with Kansas City on how they focused on building this overall team during the draft. Now, if you look at the time frame and where they built that Kansas City thing with Mahomes and those couple drafts drafts afterwards, they were strictly targeting offense, okay? That's when you saw them address the Tyreek Hill, bona fide that running back unit, get those offensive linemen that they currently have that are borderline all pros, and then they plugged and played on the defense. So because he went defense that first draft, and because I think we all feel safe with Eberflus being able to coach up a lesser round or mid-round talent or potentially a second uh, contract free agent, they're going to target a bunch of offensive stars, wide receivers, so I'm thinking that we need to be way more open in terms of the teams that they may move down with or be looking to negotiate with. Because if you look at the Lions and you look at the Vikings, if either one of those hit on their quarterback, we're in trouble. So I just want to ask you guys, what do you think his foundational move will be? Because I don't think he's had an opportunity to make one yet, guys. That's a really good yeah. question. Really good research, Rashad. Thank you for sharing it with us because his his defining move – so far, is hard to pinpoint. His defining move would be trading Roquan Smith. His defining move was wow. getting rid of 
Khalil Mack, which I think everyone thought was necessary. But right now, so far, it's it's getting rid of Roquan Smith and trading him to the Ravens. So he's due for one big one. Moving the number one overall pick will be his defining move, what he gets in return, how he maximizes the value and multiplies that into other picks. All we're saying this morning is that based on what he told Peter King, there are a lot of there's a lot of smoke at the combine. There's a lot of exaggeration and a lot of things that aren't true. But I do believe this. When he says, quote, I believe in building something to sustain success for a long period of time, I believe that in Ryan Poles because everything is consistent with that premise so far. And if that's the case, he's moving down and yes. he's moving down, down, down as far as he can go. When does he start, though? I don't think that I mean, it's going to be as soon as he suggests. I think it, that's what yeah. the smokescreen is. But that's my question. Is it starting in free agency? Because you should get at least three starters out of free agency, minimum. Good starters. So you mean in, in terms of let, – let me make sure I understand the question. Yes. You're not asking necessarily when he makes the trade. No, no, I'm asking, You're asking – When does that process begin? When does he start building up a team for the future? Well, I think that he started when he traded for Clay, Chase Claypool. Okay. I think that was that was okay. the beginning in his mind getting a if not number one a one a a two wide receiver that can be here for the long term. I think he probably envisions him uh, being here when the Bears are finally good. Free agency is a part of that process. It's got to be, and that's why I think that it is interesting. Then you need to keep reinforcing this because if we both do. Getting the twenty nine to thirty year old free agent is not necessarily in conjunction what, with, with what we're hearing from Ryan Poles. So that would be an action that would, be, would def, defy his words. You want somebody who is maybe on the cusp of being entering his prime, somebody who might be you know, not as proven in free agency because you're going, not going to be winning for a couple years. Next year's going to be a long season. And maybe you know, you're ready in 2024 to do something to be competitive and respectable again. So I think your free agent moves have to reflect that. Yes. There are there are younger free agents available. And and you know, maybe not at the positions that you would prefer, but you should be able to get better and get foundational pieces that will help you moving forward. I, I think though that you gotta be careful. Again, free agency, generally speaking, is used to make up for draft mistakes. So I think when you're when you're starting and you don't know what you're going to have, it's hard to make up for the mistakes that are coming in free agency this year. So you have to be aware not to spend every dime to do so, right? Exactly right. And you very you'll never find a general manager with few exceptions, okay? The exception to the rule is is less need and and the Rams did what they did, and, and okay. Yes. But most young general managers, let's put it that way, first-time GMs are always going to say, you never hear them say, well, you know, we need to be a free agent-driven team. No. no. They say we need to be a draft-driven exactly. team. Exactly. So the emphasis is going to be on this draft, on next year's draft, and, you know, let's look what they did with last year's draft. These players that came into the fold, into the organization, because Ryan Poles drafted them, were given the longest looks the more chances to succeed and fail or struggle, whatever the case may be, but they stuck with those guys. Braxton Jones is an example. Guys who they drafted and believe in and, and, and want to build around 
because when they're good, they want it to be an example of a draft-driven team. Let's try JP. He excuse me, JB. He's on the northwest side. I think it's uh, the um, governor. Hey JP, what's up, JB? Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey JB, how are you, pal? Hey, um, I just wanted to um, ask you guys a question on uh, the draft and the free agency. Just um, asking, what direction should you think? they should go as far as uh, spending the free agency money, uh, like our, our cap, like, uh, for example, should they uh, just go balls out and hire a bunch of guys that are veterans on offense or should they uh, go balls out on defense, just, you know, uh, max it out on defense and draft uh, and draft uh, offensive guys. Yeah. I, I, Thanks, JB. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of the way. I mean, you gotta. Here's what you have to do: you got a lot of money to spend, and you got a lot of needs. So you want to make sure that you address some of your needs through free agency with like younger, not older players. You want to get guys that are, you know, 25 years old. There's not many of them, but that's the kind of crew that you're looking for. There are some, and you want to make sure that they're growing with you as a team. What you don't want to do is sign a bunch of older players that by the time your team gets good, they're all pretty much finished. You got to spend wisely. Just yeah. because you have the money doesn't mean you have to let it, you know, burn a hole in your pocket and you got to, it's, you, you don't have to use it necessarily to buy the, you know, the, the shiniest toy. You don't have to get the sports car, get the, get the, get the vehicle with good mileage. It's going to be good for many years to come. So tomorrow is the deadline for franchise tax. Yes. So I think that if you're interested in free agency, tomorrow is a really big day because we'll know exactly who's getting tagged and who isn't. We'll know what those tags are. Uh, in other words, are they inviting you to make a deal so that another team can match it? Um, or are are they holding on to that player and that's the end of that? So that is a this like the next deadline here is tomorrow, and I, is it one o'clock or two o'clock or something? It's fairly early, um, early, early uh, afternoon. afternoon after lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might be three now that I think okay. about. It. I don't know when it. Whatever is. the case may be, there's going to be a lot of decisions made yes. and a lot of moves and headlines that we yes. see. And to bring it into clear focus, I think in terms of the Bears' perspective. I think, Mully, that when you see the Raiders tagging Josh Jacobs and you see the Cowboys reportedly going to tag Tony Pollard, yeah. it affects David Montgomery. And no question. Because his price just went up. His, his earning power just increased. Because if those guys are off the market, then suddenly any team needing a free agent running back, if they still are willing to pay for a running back, maybe they aren't, maybe I'm misreading this, but I would think that David Montgomery is going to benefit from having those two guys off the market. So if you're the Bears, your, your interest level in keeping David Montgomery a Bear may, have, may be affected by that because you might not be willing to pay, perhaps, as much as he may be wanting to get paid. Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, I mean – by all accounts, we know already who's going to be available and who isn't, et cetera. So I think that you want to be careful about, you know, the way you go about it, what you do, what to expect. I mean, if, if Orlando Brown Jr. is available, which he won't be, 
I would grab him. Unlikely that he will player. be, but you're right. right. That's he, what I'm he'd saying. Be first so at I, the list. I think that I have that's, a question for the yeah. class, sir. Please. What are the Giants going to do, and and how would yeah. would that affect uh, your interest in I don't know Sa- Saquon Barkley? Yeah, but, I think that the Giants are going to tag probably uh, Daniel Jones and then try to make a deal with Saquon just based on you know the fact that there there are the quarterback market is always one to be worried about. So I think that Jones gets the tag, just listening to people. I also think that, um, that you know, obviously when you start talking about who's the biggest name in free agency, Lamar Jackson is one of the biggest names in free agency. And the question is what kind of tag are they putting him on? Are they trying to get someone else to do a couple-year deal so they can then sign him? Are they really just going to – Tag him and keep him? Are they going to trade him? What are they going to do? Well, the most intriguing uh, rumor that I heard over the weekend, non-Bears related, involved Lamar Jackson and the New England Patriots and the Patriots being rumored to be dangling Mac Jones to the Raiders to reunite him with Josh McDaniels, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I don't know why the Raiders would want to necessarily go in that direction to give up a first-round draft pick that the Patriots would be seeking. But the idea of Bill Belichick liking Lamar Jackson enough to do whatever's necessary to get him to New England is fascinating. And I think there are other teams that are probably in the mix there if he's available, if he's even available for what they would have to give up in terms of draft capital. The Atlanta Falcons are a team. You look at their willingness to get into the Lamar Jackson marketplace would be fascinating to see because that would change the direction of their franchise, and they certainly need that. Would you would you advocate signing a guy like McGlinchey, who could be available? Yes. Probably hasn't lived up to his billing. Yes, I would, though. But he would be an upgrade. Because I think when we talk about – we want to be consistent here. We're talking about guys on the way up, guys who aren't past the primes. Mm-hmm. Mike McGlinchey is a you know a former Notre Dame uh, right tackle, played for the 40, plays for the 49ers. He's out there. You could envision him having another good three to five years. You're, you're, you're projecting out, what, three to five years? Even though your contract length may not reflect that, you're thinking next three to five years. Don't you think that Mike McGlinchey would have some value to you, an offensive line that has very little to hang his hat on right now over the next three to five years? Especially if you have the money to afford him. And Orlando Brown is off the market. Mike McGlinchey becomes a huge target in free agency. What about what about a guy like Jacoby Myers? Have you not already kind of addressed that with Chase Claypool? I, 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 Are you then going to draft? You get speed receive. Supposedly he runs like a four six three or something. I mean it, it's he's, he's not got game speed, right? Yeah. He's got game yes. speed. He's crafty. Yes. Yes. All those descriptors when the guy doesn't run a right. four four, right? But uh, he's like the best receiver that would be on the. Free am I giving agent Ryan Poles too much credit to to think that he already has weighed that? He's considered the Jacoby Myers as a bear proposition when trading for Chase Claypool. He got ahead of it by making a deal, choosing a guy that was available, expensive, yes. but yes. available, because he didn't feel like the free agent class, including Jacoby Myers, was going to be worthwhile and didn't think it would be worth it. You're not going to change your offense by signing a guy like that. So is that giving him too much credit? No. No, I think that's a that's a fair. He, he got ahead of this a little bit. Well, I mean that's that's what he tried to do, right? Right. Because they didn't, they weren't going to make the playoffs because they brought they they had assured themselves of not making the playoffs by trading 
uh, their their defense. They, they didn't have any defense, and then they traded away the two best players that were on that defense. Um, they added a wide receiver. You wish that you saw more out of Chase Claypool at the end of last year. It would have been a lot better for the Bears. It would have made this season a little bit easier. But the thinking is you'll have an off season in which to acclimate everyone. And you'll the chemistry come will come. Yeah. The health will return. Yes. These yes. kinds of things will happen. Yes. Speaking of wide receivers, interesting report this morning from Tom Pelissero, and he reports that Allen Robinson wants out of L.A. Shocking that Allen Robinson wants to be dealt. Shocking that he wants to be leaving the Rams. Well, they're kind of – what are the Rams doing? What what position are they in? They're, they're The more you hear about the Rams, it's more about getting rid of guys than adding them, right? They, they put the thing together, they won the Super Bowl, and then they just sort of – Failed to play well and then dismantled. That's a good way to put it. According to the NFL Network, the Rams are even willing to pay a portion of Robinson's $15 million guaranteed salary to facilitate a deal. But he's not coming back here. 29 years old. He's not coming back here. No. And I don't think you want him back here. Good bear for a while, but am I wrong in remembering that it didn't end that well and it wasn't all – he didn't – did he, didn't he stop trying at some point? Am, am I remembering this correctly? Is that over? Is that unfair no. to him? It seemed like his effort level wasn't exactly where you would want it to be, or at least he didn't leave an impression like, oh, gosh, come back, Alan, save us. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. But he's going to be out there in the marketplace as teams begin to see who else is who's on the you know, discarded pile. He might be at the top of that list for some teams. Uh, do the Bears have anyone worth tagging? No, no, no. I, I don't think it makes any sense for the Bears to no. use a franchise tag no. with this uh, group of prospective free agents. That's right. No, that's right. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun to just kind of talk about how much better this team could get. How are they going to go about it? It's a lot of fun. Are they interested in yeah. that, or are they interested in pushing it forward? You know what else is fun? Dirks Bentley, he's fun, and we're giving away a t- pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley with special guests. Jordan Davis has that great song, Next Thing You Know, and Tyler Braden, Saturday, July 8th, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, tickets at LiveNation.com. Dirks Bentley, we're going to give away a pair of tickets before we're done today. Oh, I was wondering why you didn't have your phone out dialing while you were doing that. Really. Oh, it's not done. oh, I'm not done yet. Yeah. I'm, I have to text my wife first so, so she can be the sixth <laughs> caller whenever we call. Not now. Not now, people. Wait, is, it allowed, is it allowed for her to call Dustin's uh, cell? She has, she's going to disguise her voice. Okay. She's going to call in on the hotline is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. There's no fix in here. I don't know why people would think <laughs> Dustin called in. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. To short. Now contra to Weber to first. No hitter. <laughs> and no hitter here in the Cactus League. The Chicago Cubs collaborating for a no-no against the San Diego Padres. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 in the score. What a strange event. A no-hitter that seven pitchers contributed to, uh, the first ever in spring training for the Cubs. Um, and, it, and it's great to hear uh, Pat. Isn't that Brock. the best part? I mean, that's the best part yeah. of it. I mean, a Hall of Fame broadcaster calling a no-hitter in spring training. Hilarious. It's just, it's crazy. Yes. Pat was filling in on the Marquee Sports Network. He had a no-hitter to call. 
the best part of that was, oh, there are two things that were really good about that no-hitter to me. Number one, Justin Steele, who had some soreness, fatigue, whatever the case, he missed some time uh, previous to this. He pitched two innings, the first two innings of that uh, that seven-man no-hitter. And the other aspect, Molly, was that it was a two-hour and 14-minute game. <laughs> that tells you that, you know, you two hours and 14 minutes for a spring training game on a Friday night, that's a pretty good clip. And you're seeing that throughout the the Cactus League and over in Florida as well. This is really change that everyone can get behind. This is working. It's gonna there are gonna be some things along the way that people don't like or have to make adjustments to, but it's progress. It's it's nice. Two hours and fourteen minutes. Um and tomorrow, again, I I'm pretty sure is the first game of the World Baseball Classic, Cuba is playing the Netherlands tomorrow at what time is it? It's at night tomorrow? I, I, I don't know. I see 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Chicago time. So Cuba, that is Yoan Moncada and um, and uh, Luis Robert Jr. Yes. Are on the Cuban Let's team. Hope they stay healthy and yes. safe and avoid injury. And then you got three games on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I think, Panama. Taipei, Australia, Korea, and then uh, and then is Panda playing two games? What you say so. I don't know. Will you watch? No, I'm not going to be that locked in. I, I may class. watch it when it gets down to the nitty gritty. Okay. I'm not enthralled. I'm not engaged. I'm not that you know fascinated by the whole thing. I respect what's what they're doing. I don't like it from the standpoint of, and I know this sounds really myopic. Okay. I'm a little surprised at how myopic I'm being here. That's but okay. I really am looking at this through the prism of both teams in town here mm. and how much risk or how it affects them because I still don't quite understand why a Major League Baseball team, given all that's at stake, given how valuable these players are, would would turn them over to their respective teams for three weeks and say, okay, go go ahead, see you when you get back. The USA begins on Saturday, but the tournament begins tomorrow. Is that possible? What a disadvantage! I know no, they're playing I just... a. Um, I know the Cubs are playing Team Canada in an exhibition on Wednesday. Huh. Hmm. Who's on Team Canada? Dempster and who else? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. The kid, I don't know. The, the guy from Minnesota, the guy the Bears pay, paid five million to in his final year. You know, that guy I couldn't stand. Oh, Justin Morneau? Morneau! Yeah. There was like a tape of me. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Disgustingly. Yeah. No. That's, you, you were, <sighs> man, you put you in a bad Wasn't mood he that day, too. Wasn't he Canadian? <laughs> I think he might have been. I think he always made fun of the White Sox. You know, Tucker Barnhart, the catcher who caught the no-hitter, yes. you see what he did after doing it. He had some fun. He bought um, children's watches. And bottles of sparkling grape juice <laughs> for Jan Gomes and then Luis Torrens, who also oh, that's awesome. were the catchers. That's very and funny. for the um, for the pitchers, or Tommy Hadovy and company, Mario's brothers watches. So <laughs> Tucker Barnhart, as you heard, I think on Friday uh, it was really good on the Bernstein and Holmes show. Very entertaining interview. Yeah, good stuff from Tucker Barnhart. 
Him That's and funny. Jan Gomes are going to give the Cubs a good combination behind the plate, a couple of gloves between them, and they're going to get what they want from that position. Looking forward to talk, talking to Carter Hawkins at 9 o'clock to ask him to you know, articulate exactly what it was they're looking for at that position because it is a shift in uh, emphasis, I think. Are you watching a lot of Cubs games? Dustin, I'm sure you're watching a lot of Cubs games. I find myself watching some games. Um, I, I'm, I also am miffed that you can't get the White Sox. Well, I, I think that probably stands out because the Cubs are on a lot more yes. the marquee sports network exactly. than the White Sox have but been on NBC Sox, Sports Chicago. Don't, don't the Sox own half of of because don't they they also have the Bulls share of that? Of <sighs> Yesterday would have been Chicago. a problem because the Bulls were playing at the same time, right? I okay. stayed with the Cubs longer than I thought I would before switching to the Bulls. I enjoy spring training baseball just because yeah, it's fun. You, you see guys in situations a lot more relaxed. Uh, Pete, Pete Crow, Crow Armstrong. Oh, my gosh. He's worth watching because yes, you're not going to be able to see him once the season starts. No, so you get a good glimpse at, at the young prospect that you could see in Wrigley Field as early as next year, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to ask Carter Hawkins about that. A lot to talk to Carter Hawkins about. Um, True Smiley, not doing great, Dustin. Are you worried about True Smiley? Well, he was doing kind of typical spring training things okay. yesterday, and I think the rest of the starting rotation has been so good that it stands out. It that he's stands out. Good. I mean, listen, so Chris no. Bryant. Chris Bryant hit a ball oh, off of him yesterday. That's Ma- still that's still, still falling. Going. That was yeah. a great swing, and Chris Bryant's coming in hot. I like the fact that he's healthy. I know he's playing for the Rockies. I know you're going to make a joke about him being in obscurity, but no, that's okay. That's great. Man. I like the fact that his swing looks really good. Come on, you did. You could not have watched that home run, and that felt good for Chris Bryant. I said I I like Chris Bryant. Always have. I just <laughs> think that he did go into hiding. I mean, I don't. I you know maybe maybe he was hurt all of last year, but how would I know? I never saw him because he was playing. At <laughs> he was hurt. Here's what I found interesting: hurt. Pat Hughes, who yeah. obviously we like a lot. He's our teammate here. He's been doing the games on Marquee, and he was mm-hmm. doing the game on Marquee again mm-hmm. yesterday, and Pat Hughes. I, I want to say horrendous was the word he used to describe Chris Bryant's season yes. with the Rockies last year. It was. I, I mean, that, that's so not Pat Hughes. Like, that. that's not what Pat Hughes – But he said it without an the, ounce oh, of, no, of, of animosity. I mean, it's the correct he word. Just, right. He just had – he felt the obligation to his audience to just in case you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Like, he was awful last year. Well, he was awful, though, because I'm not going to make excuses for him, but horrendous also applies to – his luck with injuries. He was hurt. Hurt all the time. The entire year. But, like, he remember he didn't homer. He didn't. Like, I don't. I, he know. did not homer at Coors Field last year. He said the air was too thick. <laughs> That's a joke. But I did enjoy watching the Cubs over the weekend. I think they have a lot of things to be positive about. You know what? And I have to say this. this is not a shameless plug, but Cody Bellinger was on with us Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Tremendous interview. Good guy. Ready with the right attitude to come to the Cubs, looking forward to Wrigley Field. And he sounded like somebody who everything we said about him is true. He's motivated by the fact that he's moved on to a new team. Cody Bellinger is an easy guy to root for. Yeah, uh, you know, he's done okay, too. He's been fine. Off to a good start. Yeah, so that's good. It's good to see that, you know, uh, Dustin mentioned Trey Mancini. It's good to see that some of the guys they brought in look the part. And, you know, Dansby Swanson's going to be great. The White Sox, interesting that they had uh, their uh, their new um, left fielder batting third. Andrew Benintendi batting third. That yeah. surprised me a little bit. And yeah. Pedro Grifol explained 
in detail why he likes that. Andrew Vaughn batted, batting second, so that looks like you've got Tim Anderson, Vaughn, and Ben Intendi as your one, two, three hitters. Interesting because of the guys that aren't there, yes. right? Yeah. You're yeah. not going to have Luis Robert in their first three. You're not going to have Aloy. You're not going to have Mancata. Those guys are presumably going to be four, five, six, and then maybe Grandal. That's a dangerous lineup. It's deep. But and then Oscar Colas, who's hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah. He's he looks good. seven for his first eighteen. Right. He's going to be your eighth hitter. And then Elvis Andrews, who's you know, adjusting to second base, is going to be number nine. That's a really good lineup. Not a whole lot of automatic outs there, if any. But Robert's not with the team right now. So no, he's I wonder Cuba. with the factors into that's these lineups, obviously. Triggered. That's why I'm worried. That's why the team He's WBC. mad about players leaving uh spring training just, to I, get injured in the WBC, right? Yeah. Is that uh, irrational? Uh no. No. Who else, where did the, the Cubs have a player Mervis, I think it's Matt Mervis playing for Team Israel. Israel. And yeah. then who else? They've got someone else. Stroman is playing Stroman. For yeah. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Rico. And he concerns me it? less okay, because why? he's done it before. Okay. And I think that yeah, that sounds, he doesn't get hurt every year. Well, I don't think he, he did last year. So I know that people are going to come back and say that. And that's true. But I think the pitchers might, David might be more, they prepped even earlier knowing that they were going to the WBC Got which, which this off season was, I think, one of the benefits of not having the lockout and being able to keep their eyes on They might be in a better position than and they And it might, might help a guy like Lance Lynn, too. I don't know about that. Peoria Matt checks in. He says, Colas has some pop. <laughs> That's beautiful. Wow. That's, Matt's, it's only Monday. He's, and he's fully carbonated. He's fully carbonated. All right, we've got Bob Nightingale joining us next. We're going to talk to Bob. He broke the story about... Uh, the White Sox fifth starter. Mike Clevenger. Why not saying his name I'm out just loud? Saying. What are you doing? Okay. No, we'll talk to uh, Bob about that. Next, it's <laughs> Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Well, yeah, I mean, it's good news for our club because, you know, we'll, he'll be in our rotation and be able to help us win games. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we were waiting for, just for the MLB, MLBPA, the joint, you know, committee or – to, to, you know, do their investigation, come to the conclusion, they came to the conclusion, and now we go from there. Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That is the voice of Lucas Giolito, and he later wanted to clarify what he said, that he felt bad that he only talked about the baseball element and not uh, his general feelings on domestic abuse, and so he... Clarified that to Daryl Van Schauwen from the Chicago Sun-Times. And uh, pretty interesting, really, that he had to double back on that one. And it tells you a little something about what's going on with the Chicago White Sox and their stance of kind of baseball only. They're not going to talk about this. We're delighted to welcome in Bob Nightingale from USA Today. They're fine MLB columnists. And as all guests do, he appears on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Yeah, doing good. How about you guys? Good. Well, we're doing fine. You know, I I, I think it's interesting that uh, that MLB kind of came to that um, conclusion and the White Sox announced it, and uh, I, I think you broke it, actually, Bob. And, and, uh, and then, obviously, a guy like Lucas Giolito is asked about it, and he answers it. 
And the Sox said when they sent out their release that they would not be speaking of this in any way. Um, It's kind of – you kind of do leave a guy hanging. He's got to answer the question, and then he does so, and he reflects back on it, and he wishes he hadn't talked about it as casually as he did. And, you know, to me, that's sort of the trick box you put a player in when you say you're not going to say anything about it. Sure. I mean, that was a, uh, you know, <clears throat> very serious subject, a sensitive subject, and you don't want to make it sound just like, like baseball. You know, if it was just about just about baseball, Trevor Bauer would be pitching for somebody today. So, you know, that that sort of thing. And I will say that White Sox seemed confident all along, you know, that there would yep. be a, uh, that he would be cleared. This is from the get-go. So, you know, uh, Things happen, I, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, like as MLB says, the case is closed, but if someone came forward and said, okay, we have something else, you know, be a different story. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you don't want to make it sound like, okay, you know, White Sox are thrilled, you know, just because now they have a, another star in the rotation. So, Bob, based on your experience, when these things happen and Major League Baseball makes it a determination, does a team like the White Sox feel like they're now free to do their own investigation? Has that already been done without our knowledge? And would would you think that would be something you expect? No, I would think it's done. I mean, uh, these teams hand over everything to uh, MLB, you know, just like the Dodgers did with the Trevor Bauer case and, you know, the cases we've seen before. It's always been MLB handled. And uh, like MLB said, they talked to, uh, you know, 15 different people, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's not as if the White Sox will now start their own. Uh, you know, MLB's investigators, you know, are, are professional and better. So I would I would think now he's a, uh, you know, clear to go, you know, unless, you know, unless something else happens, unless they find some, some new evidence that, that gets uncovered. Um, you know, when we look at this story, it's obviously, you know, taken a ton of uh, of time away and, and the Sox aren't pleased by it and they've tried to and you're right I mean they've acted like this is not a big deal and that this was you know just in terms of just the way they've tried to handle it you get the sense that they have just um, sort of understood that this was going to go away at some point and they they would carry on with Mike Clevenger they had him in the backfields uh, doing his thing and now we'll probably see more of him I know he was in a B game yesterday Um so Mike Clevenger as starter for the White Sox, uh, is it is it a fait accompli? Is that a done deal? Do you think that uh, they're pleased with the outcome after signing him to a one-year, twelve million dollar deal? Well, I'm sure they're they're pleased that they're you know going to throw twelve million dollars away. You know, he's still going to be a serviceable starter in the rotation. Uh, yeah, I mean there were red, there were red flags when he signed him for sure. Just in uh, you know, incidents in Cleveland and in San Diego, not, you know, talking about a, uh, you know, sex abuse, but just, you know, some teams stayed away from them. Yeah. Uh, Potteries have all the money in the world. You know, they chose not to resign them, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, we'll see what, you know, what, what happens. I mean, sports, you know, if he pitches very well, you know, things seem to be forgotten about. If he struggles, you know, people will keep bringing up, you know, things like that. You know, I'm sure it won't be, you know, all peachy on the road. I'm sure fans will still be saying, okay, I remember when he was accused of this and, uh, you know, for, forget that he was cleared or, or ignore it. Forget about fans. Forget about media for a second, Bob. I think when you hear a guy like Lucas Giolito go out of his way to clarify his comments, it just underscores how sensitive everything 
is in from to, to players who really pay attention to these things. And I wonder, moving forward, given your experience, do you think this is going to be something that is an issue in the White Sox clubhouse? Do you think that we can look at the the way Giolito handled it on day one, being very you know attentive and coming back and and having to clarify his comments is an indication of things to come? Well, I think uh, yeah, guys will be careful. Uh, I mean, I think. If guys are still, if guys are upset with the uh, Clevenger, you know they won't publicly say anything. Uh, you know nobody's, all, you know not everybody's always best friends on a team. So I, I do think if somebody has a problem with it, they'll probably keep their feelings uh, hidden. You know, uh, you know one one on the team as far as a uh, spouses and girlfriends, if they have a problem with it, you know probably, you know, you know keep it internal too. You know, just not. not Probably just not talk about it. So um, you know, I'm sure not everybody is you know jumping up and down in that in that clubhouse, or you know the wives and girlfriends are jumping down. So it's cleared. You know, why, why did she bring up these things in in the first place? Yeah, um, you know, again, it's uh, there's not a lot of um, there's nothing left to do about it. I imagine. How was what was your read on Clevenger saying that uh, he's willing to undergo uh, whatever treatment? is determined necessary after he is uh, evaluated by MLB and uh, and the Players Association, the combined group? Yeah, I mean, my guess is that, you know, you know what happened to have, uh, you know, the wife of his uh, child, you know, go off like this and, and accuse him that, you know, was there anger issues or something like that? So I would think he's referring to that, like, you know, what did I, what did I do, uh, you know, to make to make her this upset for for MLB to launch investigation, uh, you know, sound like a launching investigation on them, on, you know, on everybody that sort of thing. So I I think just that was, okay maybe maybe there were some other issues not what she uh, accused him of, but other issues to certainly make her this upset. Quickly, Bob, are the Sox going to be any good? You know, I mean, they'll be better. I mean, as long as they stay, you know, as long as they stay healthy, I still think you know the Cleveland Guardians are the team to beat. I don't think the Guardians were a fluke by any means. Uh, they play the game right, and we'll see. You know, we'll see if these guys start, uh, you know, living up to expectations. I mean, outside about two or three players last year, you know, every player, you know, grossly underachieved. Yeah, no question about it. And you know, hopefully that that is changed with the change of manager. Although they seem to be leaning on that quite a bit. Um, here's hoping it works. Right? There's there's no other way of looking at. It. Yeah, I mean, I was in camp the other day. I mean, you got to look yourself in the mirror. I mean, you know, the three of us could have managed the White Sox. You still should have won the division. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was just an excuse. Like, okay, well, it's, it's Swing Rose's fault. Well, you're the one, you know, you're the one uh, stepping them out. You're the one going to the plate, right. playing the field. So, yeah, I, I thought it was just a, an easy alibi where, uh, you know, guys, you know, coming with a chip on their shoulder, like, you better, <laughs> you better wake up yourself. You know, what are you going to use for excuse now if you struggle? Thanks, Bob. Great Thanks, story Bob. on Dansby Swanson. Yeah, love that. Sure. Take care, guys. Thank you. That is Bob Nightingale. Interesting. That's, you know, I, and I don't want to harp on the negative, but, I mean, that's a very interesting story. And, again, I think the Sox have put everyone in a little bit of a trick bag. The Mike Clevenger story is, is not harping on the negative. It's acknowledging what's there because this is a part of their season. Uh, Certainly has dominated their spring training, or at least it's cast a cloud over everything that's happened out there. We're going to talk to uh, to Carter Hawkins. We're going to bring in the Cubs general manager. We'll talk about what's going on at camp, the start of the WBC. For God's sake, the no-hitter. 
What a wonderful the no hitter. What a glorious wow. moment. Uh, Carter Hawkins joins us next. Mully and Hall on the score.